Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hey, everybody. Today on the show, we have Robert Berry, and this might be one of the longest intros we've ever done because there's a, a lot of accomplishments and things going on that we're going to mention. But um, as briefly as possible, Rob was formerly the director of internal audit, the internal audit leader for the University of South Alabama. Uh, and left there to do his own thing and and help auditors ask better questions. If you ask him what he does, that's what he does. Um, he's met, written multiple books, and of course, uh, the the number one bestseller, Ask, Get, Perform, The Auditor's Essential Guide to Asking Better Questions, Getting Better Answers, and Performing Better Audits. He also is host of the bi-weekly uh, podcast, Audit Bites. That's just where it's basically Rob. You get Rob for like 20, 30 minutes. Um, he gives his uh, opinion and also gives you a few actual takeaways. Uh, so it's not just Rob screaming at you or talking to you. He gives you actual takeaways, which are always appreciated. He's also host of the Friday Froster Show. It's a LinkedIn live show every Friday. They've been doing it for about a year and a half. Uh, where they take a um, fraud case that's um, been made public, that's in the news, whatever, and they kind of dissect it and talk about where there's a controls breakdown and all that good stuff. Rob is also, of course, because he is insanely busy, started an online audit community. And so he talks about it in some more detail on the show, um, but it's a really good place to go in, ask your questions of other auditors, get their feedback, and just someone else to talk to, someone else to ask your audit questions to. All right, last thing I'll say before I get to what we talk about on the show, which is probably gonna be the shortest part of this, is at the end of the show, for, for the loyal listeners, you might notice, when we have a guest on, we let them close it out. Like they get the last word, um, and that's it. And even so, sometimes I'm so tempted to jump in and say something at the end. I let them finish mainly because I get to do the intros and I can say whatever I want to at that point anyway, like I'm doing right now. So with that said, towards the end, uh, when Rob closes out, he says something to the effect of, you know, he is a trainer. That's what he does. He trains internal auditors and he says, I'm one of the best or I'm the best trainer. And I have been part of training sessions where I have like presented with Rob and so I got to see all of our feedback, each trainer. Uh, we saw everybody's feedback, uh, their ratings and all that stuff. I think I saw it four times. So I've seen this four times now. And Rob gets straight fives every single time in every single category. Um, so anecdotally, uh, I can tell you he, has, he is the best trainer because um, I've seen his before multiple times. And I can also tell you based on the data, then the feedback, he is also the best trainer. So whatever your training needs are, highly recommend, reach out to Rob. Uh, he is impossible to miss on LinkedIn. So hit him up there and bring him in to, to do some training for your group. With that said, topics for today, we're kind of all over the place. Um, I've known Rob for years. Um, I feel like we, we almost kind of came up 
together. We're both from the same part of the country. And so we had that in common and then our, obviously our audit backgrounds also. So we've got to know each other very well. And we basically just used this uh, episode as a chance to catch up on all things that have been going on with Rob. Last thing, I promise. This is another one, our uh, part two of our Beacon Award winners series. Uh, so those that don't know, former president and CEO of the IIA, Richard Chambers, puts out a list of 12 internal audit thought leaders every year. And Rob was recognized in 2022 as one of those thought leaders. He was also recognized in 2021 as one of those thought leaders. And so as we are making our way through, um, this is again, part number two of our Beacon Award winners series. Here we go. Rob, who's been on the show before, one of the first podcast guests uh, that we had, and we're super thankful for that. Figure we could just hang out and talk. So Rob, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I'm just happy that you invited me back. Uh, and I'm just happy I didn't embarrass you. No, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot that I have going on, you know? So there's there's a couple of podcasts. Can I talk about my podcast on your podcast? Please do so. So there's the Audit Bites podcast, which is every other week, and it's just me. So if you're okay with watching this ugly face talk about auditing, then that's probably your thing. Then there's the Friday Frosters, where we take a fraud case from the news and we talk about that. And that's always fun. We try to mix in some humor, some lessons. Um, there's, of course, my my best-selling book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits, all about the art of asking questions while auditing. It is the best audit book on asking questions. Go pick it up on Amazon. Nice. Uh, what else am I doing, Trent? Oh, there's an audit community that I'm starting because I think we need we need some support. You know, you know, like you have a support group, a 12-step support group for mm-hmm. alcoholics and right. stuff. I just... Our job is tough, so I think we need a support group. And if you go to community.thatauditguy.com, what you'll find in there is sometimes I post things, sometimes other people post things. It's almost like a LinkedIn group, almost like a Slack, except for you can also go live in it like this, like a Zoom room Mm -hmm. or an audio room. So there's a ton of features. My goal is to bring us auditors together. And here's the kicker. It is free. So how does the how does the Zoom room work? Like it's uh, me and you that would be in there, or is it like, hey, I see somebody else from the community in there? Like, hey, do you want to jump in here real quick? How does that work? So you can schedule a meeting. Okay. And I think right now I'm the only person that has the ability to schedule. So my plan is to start scheduling meetings, and then everybody else comes in. You can turn your camera on or not. Yeah. You can turn your microphone on or not. But if you are a member of the community, you can see the scheduled event and you can just dive right in. Yeah, I, I wish that was around when I was in internal audit because there were so many times where I had to like, I just had a question I wanted to ask somebody and the team I was on was relatively big for internal audit and so it was there, but even then it would have been nice just to go, hey, let me go ask like somebody else that's from a different part of the country or even in a different uh, industry or something like that. Like, let me just see what they have to say. So uh, I like that. I've, I've checked out the community. Um, I think I've posted in there and I think it is going to be a really good resource um, for internal auditors. I think we should change it. So you mentioned Alcoholic Anonymous. We could do the in the IAAA internal audit Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe we could, maybe there's a new business venture right there. Alcoholics Anonymous for internal auditors. There you go. Well, you know what? Sometimes having our job, you do get PTSD. <laughs> and I'm being serious saying. about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. I know one that would keep uh, many bottles of tequila in their office. I don't know if they did it to celebrate or if it was just like, hey, if we get snowed in, then I'm prepared. That's part of their emergency preparedness kit. But, ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, wow. That is pretty interesting. And then the, you know, Australians, they, they, they drink at work. I worked with some Australian auditors and they brought a fridge in and we were over here in the States and they had beer in the fridge. And I was like, wait a minute. No, no. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. Uh, I had one drink at lunch one time on a Thursday or whatever. And immediately I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go home and take a nap. Like this isn't going to be a very productive day. So if you could handle it, like I wouldn't have made it in the fifties and sixties when that was commonplace. I would just take naps the whole time. Yeah. I think I would have been fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you talked about the, the Friday fraudsters, uh, and then your book also. So on the Friday fraudsters, I think that's, it's every Friday. It's a live show on LinkedIn live uh so that's appropriate and And youtube now and on youtube for is it live on youtube or for replays on youtube it is live on youtube all right how long have you been doing that one oh we're on episode 96 i think okay and it's every friday so about a year and a half a little over a year and a half probably about a year and a half every friday at 2 p.m central standard time nice um, and I've checked it out multiple times. It really is good. I like the, you have like a little community there also. There's a lot of people that are active there. So that is uh, pretty fun. Is there a, and what I like about it is, so you guys dissect a fraud case basically. And then you talk about it from the audit perspective of they didn't have these controls in place, um, et cetera, right? That's the, some of what I picked up on. What's the, is there like an overarching control theme in terms of most of frauds come out due to a lack of what like set SODs or anything like that oh yeah absolutely almost every week it's a lack of segregation of duties and almost every week it is lack of due diligence over processes and or hiring so like yeah. for example this week the woman had committed multiple crimes but yet they still hired her as a bookkeeper and she stole about three hundred thousand dollars I mean, this woman had been convicted three times and uh, put on probation three times. She actually served jail time of 32 days. But I mean, you know, she served jail time. And her first crime was in 2008. And somebody still hired her in 2019 and didn't do a background check. So segregation of duties, lack of background checks. And uh, really... When I say lack of segregation of duties, I mean giving people the keys to yeah. the kingdom and not having any compensating controls in place. Yeah. And then it, I, it, I felt like I was on Friday Fraudsters when you did that. Like I felt like I was there as you were doing that because that's what it sounds like when you listen in. Uh, you know, it sounded like we were on the show. So that was kind of uh, funny to me. Anyway, but what about the um, your book about asking better questions? Is there like an... Um, Give us like a good takeaway. Ooh, so you know what? Here, here's here's one really big takeaway. One big takeaway for me is there is no such thing as a stupid question. That yeah. is one of the primary tenets of the book because when you look at many auditors, regardless of your level, whether you're a staff auditor or even a chief audit executive, in some room you are going to be afraid to ask a question because you are afraid of being judged by others in the room. Now, personally, I'm surprised when I'm in a room full of a bunch of smart people and I ask a dumb question and I look around and some of these smart people don't know the answer to my quote unquote dumb question. Yep. 
There is no such thing as a stupid question. You never know until you ask. And so that's one of my major things. But the other thing that I talk about, too, in that book is you have to really dissect someone's personality before you start asking them questions. So uh, and true story. I was interviewing this one lady and I knew that this woman was crazy. Yes. And, and I mean that in a clinical sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. think something really was wrong with her. I'm not trained to say whether she was a schizophrenic or a manic depressive or what, but something was psychologically wrong. Yeah. We knew that she had done something bad. We, we knew it. Everybody knew it. We had all the evidence that showed it. So we bring her in and we start questioning her and I have my staff and, and they hadn't done many interviews. So I led the interview. I recorded the interview. So I have my staff there. And this woman doesn't admit to a thing. She has a poker face that is really interesting because we ask her a question and she says, well, you know, we did this because and she gave some answer that didn't really answer the question. Uh -huh. So then I would provide the evidence. I slide a piece of paper over there and I'd say, so you're saying this happened, but this paper is showing and, then, you know, you walk through that. This woman never admitted anything. She deflected so good. So after that, my staff was like, why didn't you make her confess? And I was like, our goal is not to get a confession. Our goal is to get the truth. Yeah. Like, well, why didn't you make her tell the truth? You can't make anyone tell the truth. However, you can ask relevant questions and their answer will lead you to whatever the truth really is. Yeah. So when we asked this woman about specific specific transactions and she danced all around you knew that she was lying yeah i don't have to prove it you just know it now based yeah. on this evidence right um because for me an honest person would try to figure it out and try and address the evidence or something and then a liar would truly just lie about it well what you're seeing is not real yeah that's how i knew something was mentally wrong with her and we found out that she had some issues so I think you have to know the purpose of asking questions Got it. is not to get a confession. Is there a like a strategy or an approach to asking the, 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 the dumb question so that it doesn't come out dumb? You know, like, hey, what is that thing? You know, and you would expect. So I'll tell you um, a quick story. I kind of took that to heart when I first started an, an external audit or public accounting. I never asked questions because I didn't want people to think I was dumb and felt like I had to know everything, which is ridiculous looking back at it now. Like, how would I possibly know? I had just started, you know, like I just graduated college. Why would I know anything? Um, and anyway, I asked about, um, so one day I was like, all right, I'm over it. I'll, I'll ask the dumb question. I'm tired of not knowing the answer and then getting review notes all about it. And so I saw this acronym. I was like, all right, I, I don't know what that is. I'll ask about it, you know, while we're sitting in the meeting. And I was like, what does is, what is LOB mean? And they went, uh, line of business. And I was just like, ah, probably could have asked that a better way. But, you know, so is there like a strategy or like an approach to ask the, the dumb question? So there, there are a couple things. So depending on the situation, there's typically a way to broach a quote unquote dumb question. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you one sentence that works in some instances. It wouldn't work for you in that particular instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're looking at something, you say to someone, can you help me understand? 
and yep. then fill in whatever it is that you're trying to understand. But here's the other thing too. As auditors, our job is not to know everything about our client's operation. Our job is to determine if we have adequate risk mitigation techniques in place. And I think once we get past that, because I, I remember one time I was sitting with the client and um, I actually did understand their business because I had a lot of experience in it. But then they said something like, you just don't understand what it is that we do. Uh -huh. And I didn't know what I was doing back then, but I disarmed them so nicely. And I said, you are correct. I don't. Yeah, that, that is why I'm here. And they said, well, I thought auditors were supposed to know everything. I was like, no, we actually know nothing. Our superpower is really looking at a situation, understanding it from you. So gathering the information from you and then figuring out if you've adequately mitigated the risks that are opposed here. And after that, we had a really good relationship right. because I had admitted that I wasn't an expert in what they do. And after that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. These people really think that we think that we know their job. Yeah. But here's the other thing I like to tell people too. When people think that there is a such thing as a stupid question. Okay. So let's think about this. There's something that I don't know how to do. And I've admitted that I don't know how to do it. Now, I think that's a marker of a smart person first. Yeah. But then after I've admitted that I don't know how to do something, let's just say I don't know how to do something and I come to you and I say, Trent, can you help me with whatever it is? Now, for the person that I decide to ask to help me with a problem, you've got to be a really crappy person if you judge that person. And here's why I say that. They thought highly enough of you to ask you to help them with a problem that they had. Okay. So that means that they held you in some sort of high regard. They thought that you could actually answer the question that they had. So that means that they really respect you and your opinion. And now you're looking down on them yeah. instead of looking at that for what it is. And it's actually a compliment. Always insightful conversations with Rob. Uh, there's a lot more uh, than that. We always go uh, below the surface or, you know, a little a little deeper than expected. And so that's always uh, it's always good to hear from you. All right. And I'm not a huge fan of most newsletters. Um, but I do get this one. It's from James Clear. He wrote Atomic Habits. And there's usually like a good quote or something. And something that kind of makes you go, hey, yeah, I never really thought about it like that. Uh, and so it's interesting that you, what we just talked about. So this is, I saw this this morning in the newsletter. This is from biologist Roger Payne on the power of having your boots on the ground and paying attention. And it says, any observant local knows more than any visiting scientist. Always. No exceptions. And when I read that, I went, yeah, that's just like us. Like they're the client or auditee or whatever, however you refer to them, they're the locals in that situation. And we're the scientists, you know, that are coming in like we don't know. Um, and so I'm glad we did not set that up <laughs> for those that are listening. That wasn't a setup. Uh, that was all organic. Rob went into that. Uh, and then I thought of that quote. So um, I appreciate that. There, the other thing that you are known for is being not, uh, maybe not brutally honest, not that you're dishonest, but uh, you do tell it like it is. And so I'm curious to hear from you, Rob, uh, what do you think the number one issue in the audit profession is? Ooh, the number one issue for us is uh, staying up on current events. Uh, we, 
we run the risk of becoming irrelevant because we are always thinking and looking backwards. We are not looking forward and we're not doing what I like to call always auditing. Whenever something happens, we should always be auditing. And let me give you an example of what I mean. So here we have chat GPT that has come out and everybody's talking about chat GPT. And you can see some posts on LinkedIn where people have talked about it and auditors disappointed me. I guess that's what Trent means about that straight talk from me. But <laughs> I, it's true. that's it. Everything I saw from auditors was like, well, chat GPT, is it going to replace us because it could write better reports than us? Right. And I actually said in a few people's posts, if that is what you are thinking about chat GPT, then please get out of our profession. Yeah. Go do something else because that's a selfish way to look at it. Here we have a new piece of technology that has been introduced to the world, which now poses a different kind of risk on our organization. So for me, when ChatGPT came out, here were, here, were, here were the three things that I thought. Number one, how can it be leveraged to benefit any organization or our organization, wherever you're working? The second thing was, how can it be used against my organization? And then the third thing was, what can we do to mitigate those risks? And so to, to go further with this, we've learned that chat GPT has actually generated malicious code. Okay. Now we also know that it's what's called generative AI. So it, it takes code and it takes information and it dissects it. And then it does some sort of predictive analysis to tell you what comes next. So in my mind, I'm thinking, it must be storing some things. So what I started thinking was, if you work for an organization that has code as intellectual property, you definitely don't want your programmers putting it in chat GPT because now your intellectual property is at risk. Right. See, these are some of the things that I thought about as an auditor. So the fact that it could write reports, which it does a poor job of that, by the way, that never crossed my mind. So for us, if we don't keep current on events and if we don't start thinking about the risk real time for everything that we see, we are going to be useless to organizations. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the the risks that you brought up are interesting because, and we were talking chat GPT stuff off air before we started to record, but uh, I was in there today and now there's like three pop-ups when you go to use it that are like, hey, don't put any personal information in here. Hey, don't put any sensitive information in here. Hey, don't put, you know, don't like we retain this. You're using it for free. What do you, what do you think we're going to do with what you're putting in here? Like just <laughs> actually giving it to you for free, free. Yeah. Um, and so there's like three different ones and each one within it before you even, I think before I even typed in the prompt, those three came up within each three of those boxes, there's like three or four warnings of, of what's going on. And so what I think is interesting about that is like, Rob, if you were the internal audit department at ChatGPT, you would have been like, hey guys, uh, you probably put a warning up there about what's going on because they're probably gonna piss somebody off uh, at yeah. some point. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, and I think, I think we miss opportunities as auditors to raise our hand and truly quote unquote add value. Like for example, one of the banks, and I don't wanna say the wrong one, but I think it's Chase, uh, there was an article in the New York Times today where they have banned all of their employees from using chat GPT. Right. Now, I think that's the craziest thing in the world. I think what you should do is develop parameters by which employees 
should be able to use it at things that they can enter and not enter because they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. But also it's a tool that if no one in your company is using it and other companies are using it, now you run the risk of not being as efficient because it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. But as an auditor, raise your hand. Hey, wait a minute. This may not be a, a good idea. Let's, right. let's think about this for one minute. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's weird. Excellent points. Um, so we'll kind of start to wrap up. I know you're always playing with like new tech. There's always like, like chat GPT, for example, when it came out, I, I'm sure you jumped on it as soon as you had heard about it. Oh yeah. And I've seen you do some crazy things with AI, um, recreating yourself, um, and, and things like that. Had, admittedly, like you put it, I think it was on a Friday fraudster. You had your AI self. Yep. do the intro or do the whole show i can't remember and then you're like oh yeah hey by the way that wasn't me i was sitting over here relaxing the whole time but it like read your whole spiel it looked like you it talked like you because you used your voice uh to do it and so and i think you did it from just a a picture right recreated and it was enough that it was able to animate you and everything like that and so uh really interesting use there but Outside of that, what kind of tech tools type stuff are you playing around with that maybe internal audit could use um, to either be more efficient or be more effective or communicate better, something along those lines? So there, there are a couple of things that I'm doing. So first, I believe that video audit reports are gonna be the wave of the future. So I'm using artificially generated characters to deliver video audit reports. You should be able to summarize your audit in one to two minutes or less and I have templates out there and I'm working with a few organizations already to implement them. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think video in general is the wave of the future when it comes to communicating with our audit clients. Why would you type out an email that's impersonal where you have to go back and forth 10 times when you can just send them a video? I do it a lot and people appreciate it or better yet, send them a video with that Excel worksheet that you're looking at talking about where the error is along with your face too. So now it you humanize the audit department. So with that said, I use something called SendSpark. And then I also use Loom. Most of you have heard of Loom. SendSpark is a cheaper version of Loom, but it allows you to create videos that you can embed in your emails and it gives you a branded link. So people can click on a link and go to your video and it's branded and you can add comments up under the video. So you're not trading emails back and forth. So if I send Trent an email and say, hey, Trent, here's a problem that I'm having. Trent can respond back with the video or he can leave a comment right up under that video where we're talking about that problem. Doesn't that just make sense? Um, I think also for me, I've taught myself the art of video editing because I think that video work papers are the wave of the future too. Why are we doing walkthroughs with clients on Zoom and then turning around and writing up a Word document? That makes absolutely no sense. Had a client, true story, had a client last year. I was helping with Sarbanes-Oxley and uh, they were like, well, we can't do video work papers. And sometimes I, I come from the whole my beer uh-huh. school. <laughs> you know, for those of you who don't know, that's when you ask for forgiveness and not permission. And so I started doing video of the walkthroughs anyway, and they were happy in the end when I did. So video work papers, so teaching yourself just a little bit about video editing and using some of the tools that are out there that are web-based video editors will save you a whole lot of time. The other thing I think too is Trent's specialty. Data analytics is a big thing. And I don't, how do you pronounce the other one that you told me about? Kime, Nime, how do you pronounce it? Nime. 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 So 
Nine, go look at it. They have courses on data analytics. Well, after you take the courses, you can get certifications. And by the way, their software is free to download. So here's my other prediction. Every auditor needs to know a little bit about data analytics. Not, you don't necessarily have to know how to program. That's what Trent is for. But you need to know how to speak the language of data. You need to know how to understand how to ask the right questions to get to the problem that you're trying to solve so that Trent can come in and actually do the hard stuff. You need to do the easy stuff to make yeah. it easier for him. So those That's are my three big things. Okay, Ed, that, and those are great. Um, of course, you mentioned analytics, so uh, those are great. But the asking questions of the data, that's one of the things that we see where people struggle with the most. Um, yep. Usually you can Google your way out of how to format this thing or I gotta take characters out of this field or whatever. That's not crazy difficult to do, but it is asking the question of the data um, is where people kind of uh, tend to struggle with. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. And then on the Loom front, I love Loom. And the more you, have it and kind of use it the more you'll figure out other use cases i used to use it and still do uh to document like work paper procedures so and okay. so to because to having to walk them someone through an analytic it can be a pain you know and you want to be able to record that walk it through it once record it and so like i'll just i'll do it on my own in my own time we don't have to set up a meeting which is another advantage um that i don't hear a lot of people talk about but it removes unnecessary meetings so like we'll hit record i'll go through and go this is how i did the analysis i removed this thing i did this this is how i did it these are the results this is how you interpret the results the whole thing it's like a you know three minute video um most of the time and now like take that link embed it in the work papers that's how you can review it and then if someone wants to do something else with the analysis we don't have to talk again to do it it's right. there like you already have it and i've already forgotten what you know <laughs> i did it anyway in all likelihood um with that said you should comment your code of course but um and so that's some of the ways that we use it um around here um and with our clients to send them and show them how we did something or document work papers their clients love it when we do that so uh, i'm a big yeah. fan of that one also so hello rob this is uh we're coming to an end and so the way we close the show i don't know if this is how we used to do it when you were guest number like nine uh <laughs> whatever it was but uh, this is where we just give you a chance. So the the floor is yours. What do you want to leave the audience with? Ooh, what I want to leave you with is first thing, the internal auditing profession to me is one of the best things that you can do. Where else can you have a job where you learn every day and you meet a whole bunch of different people and you get to see all aspects of a company? So first, don't take that for granted. Second thing is, Everybody needs training, and I'm one of the best trainers out there. And, and again, I'm, I'm not just saying that. Ask about me. Uh, I have books. I do training prim primarily on uh, soft skills, but I do have some courses that are on technical skills. So if you need training for your organization, your IA chapter, or as e even as an individual, give me a call and join the audit community so that we can make this thing what it needs to be. It's a support system for all of us. 
Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.